0: The BSN Nuggets podcast is presented by Inwego, Denver's best subscription that allows you to go to as many events as you can for only $39 a month with no additional costs or fees. You heard that right, no additional fees, literally hundreds of events for $39 a month. For instance, over the next few weeks, you could hit up the big, wonderful Beer Fest, Taps and Tails, the Indie Card Haunted House. There's literally something for everyone. We're talking concerts, beer tastings, food fests, comedy shows, 5Ks. Anything else that you can imagine, if it's going on in Denver, there's a good chance that Inwego can get you in. Here's where it gets good. We partnered with Inwego to give BSN listeners a great deal. If you go to Inwego.com backslash BSN or download the app for free and use promo code BSN50 when you subscribe, you're going to get 50% off your first month. That's right. All events in Denver for under 20 bucks during your first month. Try it, and I personally guarantee you you're going to fall in love with it. Again, go to Inwego.com. Backslash BSN, or download the app for free and use promo code BSN fifty.
1: Welcome in to the BSN Nuggets podcast, presented by InWeGo
0: joined by special guest, Mason Plumlee. I thought he was going to knock that ref out in L.A. (laughs) Coaches will get testy with officials, but to run out onto the court and cut him off, I've never seen that before. You should have taken a charge on him. by Inwego, the subscription that can get you into almost any event in Denver. Wow. Christian, tonight at Pepsi Center, Saturday night, Denver's home opener. I don't know if I've ever been to a game quite like this one. The emotions from one play to the next, from Nikola Jokic's brilliance to the knot in everybody's stomach when Will Barton goes down with a crazy injury that we don't really know the severity of As We're recording this. We just know it's a right hip injury and he'll get an MRI Sunday. But this game was intense. This game had all the different emotions. This game had all the feels. I can't remember a feeling like the one I had after this game wrapped up.
2: Yeah, Nuggets fans should have had every reason to feel just jacked up after this game. There was a great home crowd at Pepsi Center. They were super loud, super into the game. Nikola Jokic played about as perfect basketball as a player can play. I mean, it was simply amazing. And yet you couldn't feel a little uneasy after the game. It felt sort of like a cl- a cloud was hanging over everything mm-hmm. because of what went down with Will Barton. I think we should start with the good because there was so much good in this game. And Nikola Jokic was just absolutely sensational. Um he went for 35 points on a perfect 11 for 11 shooting, 12 rebounds, 11 assists, four steals, one block, no turnovers. Those are better than video game numbers. I mean, I don't, don't even know what you would call them. It was like watching Ninja play first-timers on Fortnite or something like that. It, it just wasn't fair. He, he diced DeAndre up, threw him in the frying pan, cooked him, did the same thing to Tyson Chandler and then Rashawn Holmes. Was this bad? Better than the fastest triple-double he recorded against Milwaukee Bucks in February?
0: I think this is the best game Nikola Jokic has ever played in the NBA. I think this is his best game in a Nuggets uniform. The best game of his career. The numbers, incredible. Like you mentioned, 35 points on a perfect 11 of 11 shooting. What was the stat? He's the only player other than Wilt Chamberlain to have a triple-double. ...and shoot 100% from the field.
2: Yeah, a 30-point triple-double on perfect shooting.
0: Four steals, zero turnovers, like you said. How do you do all that and have no turnovers? Which is almost as impressive as any of those other stat lines you want to rattle off. I thought this was the best game of his career for a lot of reasons. The first one is obviously evident by the box score. I mean, he was dominant on the offensive end of the floor tonight... He went at DeAndre Ayton from the opening tip. That was extremely obvious to me. Everybody I was sitting with, I'm sure it was obvious to you and everybody else watching at home or at Pepsi Center. He went at DeAndre Ayton from the first quarter on and sent Ayton to the bench in the middle of the first quarter. I got to think a little earlier than Suns coach Igor Kokoskov wanted to. And he dominated him throughout... The entire game. This looks like one of those welcome to the NBA moments for DeAndre Ayton. And he's a guy who's played pretty well in the preseason, played well on opening night, but Jokic dominated him. And the aggressiveness that he had, he had the same type of aggressiveness tonight that he's had in some of his best games of his career. Really a reversal from what we saw in the opener, where he kind of eased himself into the game and then really came alive in the second half. He was so aggressive from the opening tip tonight.
2: Yeah, it was so fun watching him just go to work on DeAndre Ayton from from Jump Street in this game. Ayton did not have a prayer against Jokic in the post. I mean, Jokic had everything going with both hands. At one point in the night, he got fouled, and he threw up like this circus shot with his left hand, and it went in too, even though it didn't count. Just anything Jokic threw up was going in tonight. He could have kicked the ball to the other basket, and it would have gone in just 90 feet away. But... I mean, Jokic is such a good post-up player, and, you know, Ayton I think, is going to be a really good player in this league, but he's got a ways to go on the defensive end. I mean, Jokic got him with all those little fakes and feigns and everything like that. And I I will say, the one thing that's consistent about Nikola Jokic, it doesn't matter if he scores five points in a game or if he scores 35 points in the game, if you ask him about his approach, if you ask him, hey you know, did you think going into this game you're going to be really impressive? He's going to say, no, I just let the game come to me. Here's his quote after tonight. I was thinking I was going to score like 40. He said, he said that really sarcastically. No, I never do that. The game opened up like that. I think I scored a lot in the first quarter and I can continue to be aggressive. I had a really good night. Jokic just is always going to let the game come to him. And, you know, I think that he, he's done mostly a good job of being a, a tiny little bit more aggressive, but I think he's always just going to be that feel, th- feel his way into the game player. The
0: other reason why I felt like he had the best game of his career tonight, and this is the part of his game that's not going to show up in the stat sheet, but it's the command of the Nuggets, and particularly the Nuggets offense, that he had tonight. And I'm talking about how many times did Jokic bring the ball up to four tonight? It had to have been as many times as Jamal Murray and definitely more than anybody else on this team. He was the Nuggets point guard tonight. He commanded this offense with just a, a flair and a ferocity that we haven't seen from him uh, in a bit here, definitely over the preseason and on opening night. But just like I said, the command he had over his Denver's offense – How he was directing everybody out on on the floor, shouting at guys where to be, pointing at guys uh, to pass the ball over here, pointing out mismatches and whatnot. Just how he directed the Nuggets offense tonight I thought was so impressive. He was a plus 29 in 31 minutes. All the Nuggets starters were way in the positives. Paul Millsap was a plus 38. Jamal Murray was a plus 37. Gary Harris was a plus 37. Another impressive stat of the night, Trevor Ariza was a minus 47 in 29 minutes.
2: So that means Trevor Ariza is about even after
0: opening night against Dallas. (laughs) Right. Trevor Ariza came back to earth tonight. But like I said, just the way he directed and commanded and organized Denver on the offensive end throughout the whole night was so impressive. And then the final factor for me was his leadership. I don't know if you guys saw at home, but there was a point after Jamal Murray picked up a technical. I believe it was in the fourth quarter. Phoenix was staging a little bit of a comeback, a little bit of a run. Jokic got his teammates together at midcourt in a huddle. It's something I've never seen him do before. And I asked him about it after the game, and you know he said it was no big deal, but you know he just wanted his guys to keep his keep their composure and not lose money <laughs> in picking up more technical fouls, not get fined. But that's something I've never seen him do before.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Jokic is definitely making strides in that department. He knows he has to be the guy game in and game out for this team. I think that's really something we saw in the last month of the 2017-18 season. And that was really interesting, him huddling everybody up after Jamal Murray's technical You know, I can understand why players are frustrated with the officiating tonight. There were so many whistles. It was such a choppy game. A lot of weak technical calls, in my opinion. But yeah, Jokic has done a phenomenal job of being a leader for this team. And I've been really impressed with the effort we've seen from this team two games in a row. I mean, you you should be up for your your home opener, no question about it. But this team is playing really hard.
0: I want to stay on Jokic and how he came out so aggressive because like I said, it's not something we saw in the opener. We saw it at times last season, especially over that month, month and a half stretch, Jokic had the close of the year. And in some of his best games he's always coming out aggressive in the first quarters. But when he has first quarters like he did tonight, and I mean he goes five of five in the first quarter, has fourteen of Denver's thirty points after the first, I think he had nine of the Nuggets first eleven. I think he had their first seven points of the game, two post-ups on eight and a three from the top of the key. But when he has aggressive first quarters when he gets his scoring going, he'll never say it. Michael Malone has said it before, but that totally changes how he plays the rest of the game, don't you think?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, he he just gets into those zones every once in a while where he just turns into a god. I mean, anything <laughs> he, he shoots is going up. He he just doesn't look mortal out there when he gets into one of those zones like he wasn't tonight.
0: And he'll always stay so humble. He was asked about the MVP chance at Pepsi Center tonight, and he shrugged him off, of course. He said he thought it was funny. Uh, but that's just who Jokic is. Yeah, he said it's early. Which
2: Good point. It well, is early. it is early. It's <laughs>
0: two games into the season, but he, if you're tallying your MVP votes right now. He's probably a front runner. So that was obviously a huge takeaway from tonight. Nikola Jokic, I think the best game of his career. If you want to put a couple games in that argument, it's probably tonight. It's probably when he had the fastest triple-double in league history in Milwaukee. And maybe that Minnesota game, that's probably up there. The Minnesota game, game number 82 from last season if you're looking at the best game Jokic's ever played. But this one, besides everything he did in the box score, besides the numbers he put up tonight, I just felt like from the eye test, watching him command his team was something you've only seen from him uh, a couple different times throughout his career.
2: Yeah, it seems like, you know, if you do basketball reference searches for some of the numbers Nicole Jokic is putting up, he pops up... uh, alongside Wilt Chamberlain quite a bit. And as Michael Bullen has said a couple times in the early stages of the season, you know, anytime you're in the same conversation as Wilt Chamberlain, that's a pretty good sign.
0: Unless you're in the conversation with Wilt Chamberlain about other
2: stuff. Oh, we won't go there. This is a family <laughs> podcast. Yeah, let's just say that uh, Jokic is probably not in the conversation with the number 10,000. <laughs>
0: Well, we've got a lot more to get to on today's show, and I know you guys are probably blowing up the Total Beverage fan hotline with questions and takes after this game. We'll get to those at a later date. We've got a lot of stuff to get to throughout the rest of the show. Will Barton, obviously the other storyline tonight, he goes down with an injury. we got to go ahead and take a break, but we will talk about the injury what happened tonight, what he said and the potential ramifications that that has for the Nuggets rotation here in the short term and possibly long term. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
1: The biggest benefits of CBD are our cognitive, our neuroprotection, neuroregeneration, anti-inflammatory, and then a lot of the most common situations that that people are taking it are for pain. That is Arthur Jaffe a former CU Buffs football player and founder of Elixinol, a Colorado-based company focused on providing the highest quality of CBD oil and hemp extracts in the world. Like Arthur mentioned earlier, CBD has significant medical benefits and isn't limited to just athletes. Everyone can take it from adults and children to even your dog. I wished I would have learned about it or that it would have been more prominent at a younger age. Potentially have have given my father a a significant opportunity to fight prostate cancer, which ultimately took his life when I was 13. You know, I really think that it would have helped him. Arthur and the folks over at Elixinal's mission is to educate, inspire, and empower others to live naturally healthy, happy lives. To learn more and join the CBD conversation, check out Elixinal.com.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by In We Go. Harrison went alongside Christian Clark, recording late, late, late Saturday night after the Nuggets' latest win, 119-91. The Nuggets are 2-0. They have the best defensive rating in the league. Their defense was stellar again tonight. We'll talk about that a little more uh, in a few minutes. They also have the best net rating in the league. Uh, They've been playing unbelievable basketball so far. They'll have another big test Sunday night against the Warriors, but... That's for a discussion at another time. Will Barton went down tonight with a right hip injury. The Nuggets are calling it. In the third quarter, he went to the hoop, did one of his patented reverse layups. It was really the same move he had around the rim to beat the Bulls last year. If you remember, he had that game winner on that reverse layup. It's the same exact motion he had this time. Goes down in pain, has to get carted off. He's getting an MRI Sunday, so we might know more, or you might know more about his timetable after or before you listen to this podcast or as you're listening to this podcast. But he spoke with the media after the game tonight. He was obviously in a lot of pain. It didn't look good. Um, He said he heard a pop. That's never good when an athlete says... He feels or heard a pop. And so the Nuggets are bracing themselves right now. Will Barton is obviously a huge part of this team. And if he's out for a long time, it's going to be a big blow for sure.
2: Yeah, it was just so unfortunate to see. I mean, Will Barton was having a really good game before he went down. He, he made the basket that he actually got hurt on, um, finished with 14 points and uh, 6 of 9 shooting. That starting lineup was really popping to, like, we all kind of thought that it would. I mean, the Nuggets starting five was awesome against the Clippers. It just absolutely crushed the Phoenix Suns. Barton was up in the locker room walking around under his own power. He was walking really gingerly, and when you asked him about the pain, he just said, sore, it feels really sore. So we just don't know, but like you said, it doesn't seem good. And it's just going to stink because... The Nuggets, you know, carefully constructed the starting five. They re-signed Will Barton to be their starting small forward, and their plan was working out so freaking good through two games. And if he's going to be sidelined for a while, we don't know yet, but it's just going to throw a wrench in a plan that was working out perfectly so far. It is a big shame. Like you mentioned, this starting
0: lineup, just like we thought it was going to be, just like we've been telling you guys all off season and throughout the preseason— Was dynamic in the opener. It was dynamic again tonight. They were a plus 13 in 17 minutes. That group shot 18 of 28 from the field. Uh, They were great um, on really both ends of the floor. On the season, like those starters have already outscored the opponent by 29 points in the 46 minutes they've been on the floor. It's crazy because everything we've been saying about this team, all the predictions we've made, however ludicrous some of them have been. I mean, I I came out and wrote that I think the Nuggets are going to win 50 games and take the fourth seed in the West. And that might seem crazy, but this team has been hitting on all cylinders to begin the season, offensively and defensively. And Will Barton's been a huge part of that. You mentioned the good game he had tonight, and he was well on his way to a a big game, 14 points on six and nine shooting before he went down, five rebounds, four assists. It's going to be big if he's out for an extended period of time, and hip injuries are tricky. Nuggets fans who have been following this team for a while know all about hip injuries with Wilson Chandler and how that kind of changed his career. So the Nuggets are obviously hoping for the best. If Will Barton does miss significant time, I don't think this is an injury that's going to sink the Nuggets' playoff hopes. I think they can survive. I think they can definitely get to the playoffs without him if, like I said, he does miss a big chunk of games here. But it's going to be a big blow nonetheless.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, a Wilson Chandler-type injury, Wilson suffered a torn labrum. That's just the absolute worst-case scenario. I mean, we just don't know yet. But, oh, man. The Nuggets can get to the playoffs if Barton is going to miss an extended period of time. I really do believe that. But their ceiling is so much lower. I mean, I, I don't really like their chances of winning a playoff series when they get there without Barton. He, he's so instrumental in what they do. What do you expect to see the Nuggets do if... Barton's going to miss a couple games here, at least at the start. Um, I think that, and this is just me speculating. I think that we're probably going to see Torrey Craig in there at small forward. Um, He he didn't play against Los Angeles. He was in the game against the Suns tonight, logged 15 minutes, one of three from the field, but he played some really good defense on Devin Booker. So just my gut feeling, but I, I would expect Michael Malone to throw Torrey Craig in there and just be a defensive stopper and just try to be a guy who hits the open three when it's there.
0: I agree. I think you'll see Torrey Craig in there if Will Barton doesn't play against the Warriors. I think he's the guy who Michael Malone would move into the starting lineup. The two options are either Craig or Wancho Aaron on Gomez, right? Malik Beasley has played well at times, but I don't think he's really an option to start there at the three. Uh, There's nobody else on this roster behind a Wancho or behind a Torrey that can be elevated into that role. It's one of them who will get the call. We've seen Tory play in countless high leverage situations going back to his rookie year. It's obviously a role and a scenario that Mike Malone trusts him in. We've seen that in the past. We have taped to look back on. Wancho's played really well, and Michael Malone has said he's wanted to reward him for his hard work, for his play throughout the preseason on the practice court with consistent minutes, consistent rotation minutes this season. And he's done that, and Torrey's been kind of out of this rotation. But I agree. I think this injury means that it's Torrey Craig's turn to move into this starting lineup. But I do think if the Nuggets decided to go with Wancho, it could be an interesting option. Because if you're looking for a guy to keep – this offensive tempo and keep this offensive flow and chemistry where it's at. You think that he would be the choice rather than Torrey, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, if you're looking for one guy to help the Nuggets, you know, not miss a beat on the offensive end, and they'll eventually miss a beat over the long haul. But yeah, Wancho could fit in pretty seamlessly on the offensive end. He's such a good ball mover. He's a really good spot up three point shooter. Al- although he did go for three p- from three point land. In this game against the Suns, I, I think that uh, the idea of throwing Wancho in there are, is really, really interesting. And, you know, Wancho is going to struggle defensively uh, against a lot of small forwards in in this league. I mean, just he think struggled of, at times tonight. Yeah, just think of st- some of the starting small forwards in the Nuggets division. I mean, you've got to deal with Paul George. you got to deal with Jimmy Butler. Maybe not for much longer, but... <laughs> You've got to
0: deal with Kevin Durant Sunday night, yeah. who Wancho has notably defended before.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I kind of like the idea of throwing Wancho in there, and Torrey Craig's a fine option too. I mean, I can totally understand if Michael Malone goes with that. Um, you could continue to build on this defensive progress that you've made through two games. Two Two decent options there, but you know, none of them are replacing the production you're going to miss from Will Barton.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I agree. I think Wancho is an interesting option if you're focusing on the chemistry and rhythm of that offensive group and keeping that where it's currently at. But I have a feeling Craig's going to be the guy. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see very quickly here Sunday when the Nuggets host the Warriors on this back-to-back. Let's talk about the defense.
2: Um, if you just do a, a basketball reference leaderboard, advanced, ref, advanced leaderboard, the Nuggets are number one in defensive rating right now. They're allowing 90.4 points per 100 possessions. Harrison, that definitely means that they're going to finish first at the end of the year. That's how it works uh, because we're 141st of the way through the season. But in all seriousness, I've been really impressed from what I've seen from the Nuggets on the defensive end through two games. They're going through the rotation so quickly right now. They all seem to be on the same page. You have to give Paul Millsap a lot of credit for that, um, for being the conductor in that last line of defense. I didn't think that we would see the Nuggets make this much progress this quickly, and it's been pretty awesome to watch. It's been amazing. Um, <laughs> it's been mind-blowing, to be quite
0: honest, how good they've looked on the defensive end now. They've played the Clippers, who are probably like a 40-win team this year, and they came back and played the Suns, who have some potent offensive options, but let's not act like the Suns are some elite team. That being said, their defense has looked amazing, and we have heard about it all training camp. We heard about it all preseason, and they've backed up the hype. Paul Millsap's the main reason why. I mean, Paul Millsap has been unbelievable on the defensive end of the floor. The amount of ground that Paul Millsap can cover on one defensive possession is unbelievable. He can go from the corner to helping out Nikola Jokic under the rim to the other corner to hedging a pick and roll on the wing to flying across the court to contest a shooter in the opposite corner. He's everywhere on the defensive end of the floor. Through two games now, the Nuggets are giving up 78.4 points per 100 possessions when he's on the court. When he's off the court, they're giving up 107.7. He's been an unbelievable defender. He's looked like an all NBA type defender. He's looked like a defensive player of the year in these first two games. If you're looking for one reason as to why this Nuggets defense has been great through two games, it's Paul Millsap.
2: This was the second game in a row that Paul Millsap was a game high and plus-minus. Um, the Nuggets outscored the Clippers by 20 points when Millsap was on the floor in L.A. The Nuggets outscored the Suns by 38 points when Paul Millsap was on the floor against Phoenix. He's, he just seems to have a, a couple plays every game. Where he just comes out of nowhere and contests a shot or just flies over from the weak side to block a shot, he is a special special defender his instincts are crazy, his timing is insane. he's not really that much of a leaper either, and he's not the tallest guy for a front court player I, I don't really know how he does it, but he does it I mean he he's just so fun to watch in the defensive end and the the young guys are kind of mimicking his mindset too. Like it's almost like playing with Millsap makes you want to fly around too and not blow your your rotation. I mean, the Nuggets are understanding that they're gonna have to play some defense to get where they want to go. And that's what I've been saying about Millsap this
0: whole summer, this whole off season. And some of you guys listening to this podcast have probably thought I was crazy when I would go on these rants about how Paul Millsap can inspire others to play better defense. But that's exactly what you're seeing through two games. Uh, The defensive level that Nicole Jokic is playing at, the defensive level that some of these other guys are playing at, Gary Harris has looked like a better defender to me this season. Uh, There are some guys on this bench unit as well who look like better defenders to me this season. And Paul Millsap is lifting everybody's defensive level of play with his play. Just playing with Paul, seeing how he busts his ass on the defensive end of the floor, that inspires you to play better defense. It really does, and we're seeing that.
2: In consecutive games, the Nuggets have held their opponent to under 40% shooting from the field, under 30% shooting from three. Um... They've held the Clippers and the Suns to below 100 points. They only held opponents to below 100 points in consecutive games one time last year. So they've equaled that feat through their first two games this year. And they could um, beat it uh, against the Warriors on Sunday, although uh, that might be a little bit tricky.
0: It's really a shame that Will Barton went down tonight because the mood of this podcast, the mood at Pepsi Center Well, I think the fans were really happy regardless. I'm not sure if most of the fans in attendance really grasped what happened when Will Barton went down and the severity of that injury potentially. But the locker room, you know, it definitely didn't have the same feeling that it would have had had Denver won this game, won tonight and gotten out of this game with a fully healthy roster Moving to two and zero with the best net rating in the league. Look, I predicted that this team is going to go ten and five over the first fifteen games and get some national pub early on this season. I think that still could happen. They still could go ten and five in their first fifteen games. It's going to be harder to do without Will Barton. That's for sure, though. Let's go ahead and take a second break. We'll be right back on the BSN Nuggets podcast.
1: When it comes to quality craft beer, there is no place quite like Colorado. And Colorado Keg House embraces the true essence of that, providing 75 Colorado craft beers on tap. The most unique thing about Colorado Keg House is how many beers they have on tap. I mean, there's simply a beer for everyone. They change them out regularly, and it's it's great Colorado craft beer. I've been going there for about two years now, and I'm never disappointed. That was Lindsay, and like she mentioned, Colorado Keg House rotates their inventory each week to bring you new flavors. They also offer a great selection of Colorado wines and spirits so you can sit back, relax, and enjoy any sport you wish on one of their 27 TVs. My favorite thing about Colorado Cake House is the atmosphere. You can bring whatever food that you want to eat in there, and they have a million TVs, it feels like. It's not a bad seat in the house, and they've got extremely comfy couches that you can sit on and hang out with your friends and just kick back. It's, it's a great atmosphere. If you're a Colorado beer lover and you haven't checked out Colorado Cake House in Broomfield, do yourself a favor and head over there today, and don't forget to mention BSN to receive 20% off your order.
0: Welcome back to the BSN Nuggets podcast presented by InWigo Harrison Wind alongside Christian Clark. Recapping this Nuggets win from Saturday, of course they take down the Suns 119-91 to move to 2-0 on the season. Their best start since 2011-2012. That was a long time ago, but Nuggets are 2-0. They host the Warriors on Sunday. The final thought I had from today's game, and this is now a two-game trend. Like We're still very early in the season, It's probably unhealthy to draw too many conclusions to this point, Uh, but it's tough not to when all the stuff we've been saying all summer and all preseason is unfolding before our eyes. Anyways, something that's not following a trend that we saw in the preseason is this Nuggets bench. They were dominant in the preseason. Uh, They were so solid when they were on the floor, that group of five, particularly Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Wancho, Trey Lyles, and Mason Plumlee. Through two games, though, they haven't been that. Uh, They've struggled. They've struggled, in my opinion, to generate good shots. They've struggled also to get stops on my end. Do you have any read on what is going on with the bench?
2: I actually thought they were decent in that Clippers game, Um, but there's no question that they did struggle in this Phoenix game. You know, the biggest thing I saw was... They were struggling to create good shots, and that unit really needs Trey Lyles to be the primary shot maker for them. They need to throw the ball to Trey Lyles, and when all else fails, he needs to be the guy to get them a bucket. He just didn't really have it going tonight. So I just think on nights when, you know, Trey doesn't really have a cook, and then it, it could be hard for them to score.
0: I agree. It definitely seemed like they struggled to manufacture good shots tonight, and I agree. I was pretty little probably a little too harsh with my assessment there of how they played against the Clippers. They had some decent moments, but they struggled against the Suns tonight. I mean, this game tonight from a starters versus bench perspective seemed like a game from last year. The starters get up big. Nicole Jokic is balling. They jump out to a 10 or 15 point lead slowly, but surely as the bench filters in and suddenly the Nuggets are playing a five-man bench lineup. The Suns come back, and they they whittle that lead down little by little, and eventually the Nuggets have to go back to Nikola Jokic and the starters. It, It did seem like they struggled to generate good shots, and I agree with you. They should be focusing their bench offense around Trey Lyles. It seems like that's what they did during the preseason. Did not see that against the Suns here on Saturday. He's your best offensive option with that second unit. He is the one guy you can give the ball to in the post, as long as he has a mismatch. If he's going against Tyson Chandler in the post, that's probably not a good advantage matchup for the Nuggets there. But usually, if he's going to get a guy on a switch, it's going to be an advantage for Trey Lyles, and that's where the Nuggets should go with the ball. You know, around him, the Nuggets just got to hit shots. Wancho was 0 of 3 from three-point range. Uh, tonight, Torrey Craig was 0-2, Monte Morris was 0-1, Malik Beasley was 0-1. The bench only hit five field goals uh, tonight between Wancho, Trey Lyles, Mason Plumlee, Tory Craig, Monte Morris, and Malik Beasley. Only five field goals uh, amongst the bench. And look, the bench might lose one of their uh, top offensive options if Wancho slides into the starting lap. So they'll need some more guys to step up we'll see if they can rebound against the Warriors. Like I said, tonight at Pepsi Center, I don't know if I've felt what I felt tonight ever in my few years covering this team. The highs that came with Jokic's performance combined with the lows that came with Barton's injury— It really created an odd feeling because you want to be excited about what this Nuggets team did tonight, but you also want to temper those expectations because you don't know what the impact of this Barton injury is going to be down the road. If you're looking for somebody to step into that starting lineup in place of Will Barton, if he does miss a significant amount of time, we both think that's going to be Torrey Craig. I just think and get the sense that's the direction Michael Mullen would go, especially because Torrey Craig played 15 minutes tonight, was 1-3 of from the field, didn't make a 3, was 0-2, but he was a plus 22 in 15 minutes. He did have six fouls, though, in 15 minutes, which I did not know. Did you know Torrey Craig fouled out of the game tonight? Using all of them, baby. (laughs) Um, But I think Michael Mullen will look at that and be like, okay, I want to put that guy in the starting lineup. Maybe it's Wancho, I don't know. Um, But those are the two guys I would certainly keep an eye on and we'll see what happens Sunday against the Warriors. Thanks for listening guys. We'll get to all your questions. So keep calling into the Total Beverage Fan Hotline 1-800-BSN-8394. That's 1-800-BSN-8394. We'll get to those on our Monday show. We'll talk with you guys then.